I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Football Acca. I'm not finished yet, it took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. So I thought last Monday was the last show, lads, but there's a bit of happening during the week here. So Kyle Barrett came up for interview and Conor O'Donoghue from the Fixtures Task um, Force Committee is coming in as well. So there's enough here to do a show. So we give the people what they want, basically, <laughs> Conan and Conor. We're going to start off with the news. This is last night's news. Yeah, na- last night or the night before, Michael Dignan um, was elected as chairman of the Offaly County Board. Great news for me. Like, I mean, you want somebody who's a player's man. You want someone who's not in that administration, administra- life administration role where, you know, you have to wonder where their priorities kind of lie sometimes, in my experience. So it's good to have someone like Michael Dignan in here and it'll see how, how things potentially change under a completely change, a complete change of direction, change of leadership. So he won by 76 to 62. His running mates, uh, Derville Dolan, was elected to treasurer. And Brian Gavin, who was also up, he was voted as the Leinster Council delegate. And you can be sure when Brian Gavin goes to those Leinster Council meetings and uh, the motion is to take Dublin out of Croke Park, that Brian Gavin will not vote to leave them in there for money. Yeah. That's the great thing about this, lads. You yeah. know what I mean? Do you get my point? The more people you get into these positions as delegates that are players' men, the better. Because you think about what's my, what are they, what are those lads who've given up their lives best chances, not what is going to make my life a little bit easier. So that's the way um, that's going to work. There's another supporter of Dignan, it was Colin Cummins. He didn't make it. He lost out marginally um, to James Murphy on 76, uh, 7068 for vice chairman. Interestingly enough, when Dignan was elected, um, 
the some of the people who had been in the Offaly County Board already all pulled out. It's like they didn't want to be part of this new regime. And I think that's very disappointing. So the position Assistant Secretary, PRO and Cultural Officer all withdrew their names from the race. And Vice Chairman Niall Gallen also pulled out the election uh, for his role. The only remaining nomination for Assistant Treasurer, Brian Flynn, also withdrew from the race following Dolan's victory as Treasurer. All that kind of thing, you know, like, I mean, it's like that's the regime I'm used to. I don't want these people coming in yeah. and rocking the boat. That's yeah. disappointing that they would stand down like that. Yeah, like, are you there for Offaly or not? Yeah. Like, what are you, like, what are you doing there? Like, I get that you might have a bit of loyalty to the last chairman. Maybe you liked him, but there's a new chairman coming in who's there to try and do his best for Offaly now. And yeah. like, you can help that by doing your role as best possible. Yeah, so. I think they're showing themselves up here, lads, yeah. big time by pulling out like that. And Tommy Byrne, in fairness to him, was magnanimous when he finished up and wished Michael all the best of luck and said he was fairly elected and things like that. So he came across pretty well and change probably was needed. Michael Dignan says, I'm looking forward to working with the incoming management committee, the county board, the clubs of Offaly and our schools, everybody else, all our stakeholders. I just want to unite Offaly GEA after this challenging campaign. So, like, I mean, best of luck to Michael and it'd be very interesting, you know, just to see how that works out. And is, is there a, a, a rapid improvement in Offaly's fortunes? Because if there is, there'd be a lot of these lifer administrators looking in over their counties. shoulders. Well, there should be, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, that's true, it's true. Be, I'm going to look at this very, very closely, very, very closely. Um, he's going to keep up his co-commentaries in RT and I see some people criticising that and they're like, oh, well, because now he's the chairman, if, if when he's on the co-com, he won't be fair because he loved it. Sure, he's an awfully man anyways. Sure, that criticism will come to anybody. Like, keep doing the co-coms. He's granted them. They don't cross over. Like, unless, obviously, Offaly are playing at the same time and he needs to be at yeah. a certain game as in his role as chairman. Co-coms wouldn't necessarily bother me, but let's say Michael Dagnan as a columnist that's speaking on affairs in other counties in his position as a chairperson of Offaly GA. Some people might like, who are you to be criticising me? Get your own house in order first. Yeah. That kind of thing. That's well, yeah, he'll have to keep it to playing stuff rather yeah, co- than co- co-commentary, co-commentary wouldn't bother me at all. But, uh, but yeah, as you said just from like I don't know enough about the inner workings of Offaly GA but from the outside perspective given what's gone on in recent years it seems to be that like change is no harm do you know what I mean and like uh, Michael Dignan and again my exposure to him is limited to what I've seen of him on TV but he just strikes me as a really straight shooter like Brian Gavin and it seems like Offaly need a lot of straight shooters you know so like like yourself I'm kind of going to have Going to, going to maintain a lot of interest in it. The footballers seem to be kind of on the up at the moment. The hurlers, like as I think as Michael Dignan said, like it was the relegation to the Christie ring that really kind of spurred him into action. And of course, he'd be a hurling man over a football man. So yeah. for me, the, the, the positives really outweigh any negatives to come out of this. So definitely worth keeping an eye on, on Offaly in the, in the next few years. It definitely is. It definitely is. And in fair, Michael's better known as his hurling, but he played senior for Offaly football as well. So he'll oh, I didn't know pu- that, sorry. He won't be pushing all his resources into the hurlers and say, I forget that big ball uh, nonsense. Um, So more news there is there's going to be smart yellow slitters. So smart like your smartphones. There's going to be technology inside these slitters um, and it looks like they're going to try and use them in next year's hurling championship. So these smart yellow slitters have the capacity to prevent goal line controversies and could pave the way for score detection technology in all major GA grounds. So we have Hawkeye, but we only have it in Croke Park and we have it in Turles, Right. Now, for football, there'd never be games in Turles anyway, so we only have it in Croke Park. This won't affect football, but in the future, you'd never know. It could be a smart ball. We had uh, the ball here we used to do on Sports Joe Live. Do you remember oh, how yeah, hard yeah, you could yeah, kick yeah, it? Yeah. And it could measure the speed of it and all sorts of kind of stuff. I think that's all in the future. But anyways, 
in the slitter there's going to be this technology the problem with it the problem with Hawkeye is it's very expensive and that's the reason it's not rolled out across the whole country it's 8,000 to operate Hawkeye for a match gone too dear <laughs> it's too it's not operational so I think these games in Hurlick these yellow smart slitters could overtake Hawkeye because they can detect um, they can detect scores they can detect goal line they can t- detect deflections like you know the big controversy with Limerick and Kilkenny this year where yeah. it was a 65 and it wasn't given so all these kind of things so the new slitter can generate data showing whether it broke invisible magnetic fields projected on goal lines and above uprights making a quick and accurate reading as to whether a goal or a point has been scored Here's the one. The expected cost of erecting these boundaries is understood to be affordable enough that it could conceivably be installed in every inter-county ground in the country. So I think this is fantastic. You know, some people are saying, why, is it, why are they yellow? Right. And Shane McGrath was given out last night saying, maybe I'm just a traditionalist. If it's not broken, why do we have to fix it? Leave the white slitter. They're doing fine. Now, I'm a traditionalist. I don't yeah, know what yeah. I am. If that's tradition, I say, well, go on. I, I, I call myself a traditionalist. I don't like, I like the traditions of Gaelic games not to change massively, but I think things can be improved on. Brian Gavin is on, in the examiner, he is on, Shane McGrath was on Game On. Uh, Brian Gavin was saying um, some league games under lights it's a little bit of an issue especially on a cold night if there's a little bit of fast and frog around the yellow slitter would be useful and of course it would be useful why are they so why is everybody so you know determined not to change things here's a good example in tennis imagine if they changed to a white ball how outlandish would that be a white ball on the white lines you wouldn't see a thing so is it, wouldn't it be outlandish for tennis to change to white you would say why so easy to see the yellow ball. The lines are white. You know, it's, it just doesn't make sense. And they're going to change to a white ball. That's outrageous. But for hurling to go to the yellow is seen as outrageous yeah. as well. It's bizarre, isn't it? When I saw like the words "leave the white slitter alone," I thought, "Jesus, like, <laughs> GA people don't help themselves." No. Like, you know, like there's a lot to be complaining about and a lot to preserve. But for God's sake, the color of the ball, like yeah, and uh, I wouldn't mind a, a yellow Gaelic football. I had no problem with it because yeah. you know you, we saw in the was it the there Gla- was one, wasn't? Yeah, there was, there was there one. Yeah, I was trying to think that this morning. I think there was. Oh, there was one like, yeah. going around for ages. Yeah, yeah. when all the snow hit, twenty ten. Yeah, 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 hundred. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the yeah. Glenty's point, you know, these ones that fade past the crossbar. It was a point. Oh, but yeah. like the yellow ball is showing that up immediately. Yeah, yeah. The white ball won't show that. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it should be yellow in both codes. Yeah. End of story. And football should have more of an objection because it's way bigger than, than it's literally. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, if it's, a, if it's an aesthetic. And I don't know what it is, but whenever I play golf, I'm pulling out a yellow ball. I, yeah. like, I, <laughs> <laughs> I know what it is. Really. Like you're, a, you're pulling all your shots. <laughs> there's a novelty to using this cool little yellow ball. I don't know. You could get a pink ball or anything. Anyways, that's it. Um, I don't see the objection to that. But look, GEA people don't like change and hurling people within the GEA people are even more especially don't like change because their game's perfect. Yeah. Why, it's fine, cha- it's fine. why change perfection? <laughs> <laughs> the gods so, the gods didn't give us a, a yellow ball, they didn't give us a white one. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the founding fathers. <laughs> so the big news coming out this week from a leash point of view and loud is from a leash point of view, unfortunately, the, the two Kingstons have not, Donald and Paul, have not uh, committed to next year, which is a disaster for Leash. 
Um, a complete disaster. Now, Donny has threatened it the last few years and he's come back in, so I wouldn't rule him out completely. It's a huge kick in the arse to Mike Quirk, who would, mm. would have been taking over this job thinking that the two Kingstons are probably two guaranteed starters on my forward line. Donny Kingston with an advanced mark. Mm, oh, just God, I'm just so disappointed. But I can't blame Donny. I've done it myself. It's just very frustrating for supporters to go, Jesus, Donny, the advanced mark. We could really make something. We've a new manager. Please, please. You like to go mm. to his house and beg him. Um, and added to that then Stephen Attroyd who's been the captain the last uh, few years is going travelling again you can't blame any fella I've done it um, and it seems to be more and more people not committing Andy McDonnell is the latest one from Loud who's not committing next year um, you know you add that to Ben McCormack you add that to Killy- Ben McCormack from Kildare Cavan have been absolutely decimated Killian Clark Darren McFeedy and the talk is Darren Minehan isn't going as well they're in Division 2. They're gone. Cavan are gone. Again, supporters going, ah, lads. And then you think of the lads themselves and you're like, geez, they can do what they want. Like, they're not mm. contracted. Michael Quinlivan is going. And like I mentioned, Stephen Atroyd. I don't know, lads. Is this more of a problem than it ever has been before? I don't know. I don't think so. Just, uh, I, I, I think it seems to be a little bit like a few more names, but there's always, like, there's always, it's always a few. Happened. I you're know on that. about Donny Kingston. I'm saying, like, I'd, I'm sure people have been begging him for the last few years, and he says, well, something has to give sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just speaks to something that we've, we've, we've spoken about constantly in this show. It's just the, the, the pressure of having to do it all year round. I mean, you just, the, like, the more demands they place on lads, something's going to give. And, like, as you said, I can't, but did the Kingston, are the Kingston's going travelling, did they say, or did they say it was. They, they haven't said, I don't think they're going travelling. I think they just need a year out. Yeah, but as and you said, like I'm not committing, I, or maybe they want to play with the club and they want to just have a relaxed life because, like, we know it is intense. It's disappointing, but I wouldn't have an issue with any single one of them. And and just like I, I don't know, the demands seem. Well, we probably say this every year, but the demands seem greater than ever. So like this time next year, we could be saying, you know, there could be double the the amount of names that we have this year. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know. Is it something that needs to be addressed in terms of uh, the fixtures task force and stuff like that? But it, it's a trend that doesn't seem to be dying down anytime soon. I think that yeah, it's difficult. Daniel Flynn was doing media yesterday. I interviewed Cattle Barrett. I didn't. I didn't. Wasn't able to do both of them. But that I'll hopefully get that. Daniel Flynn during the league because he's a great interviewee he was talking about leaving last year we know he left last year Niall Kelly left just last year he said the grow had kind of gone I sat down with Johnny Doyle as he was managing the college team and he said you look like a fella that's fallen out of love with the game it was a build up of different things I can imagine that conversation imagine Daniel Flynn maybe just walking around in a college game and the body language is all arseways and Johnny Doyle's like what's wrong with you yeah. are you alright Daniel like you don't look like yourself and he's like I'm sick of it Johnny <laughs> like I mean yeah. I've had those conversations that has been identified I remember Alan Brogan's father Bernard Brogan pulled me aside and said you're alright he was involved with the college team I was just being overly petulant in a game and I remember I think I got involved in a, a bit of a row with a lad which would be unlike me and he's like what's wrong he says I'm, I'm sick of it <laughs> but that was it like that was the yeah. kind of, I know exactly how Daniel felt yeah and very uh, recognisable for somebody like Daniel Flynn because when he's at his best it looks like the most enjoyable thing yeah. in the world you know he plays with such freedom and yeah, like he should be playing with, with all that zest that he has. Like, you know what yeah. I'd say? When he is not at that level, it's just very noticeable. Like, you know? Yeah, that's it. So, like, I mean, he gave some reasons of why he dropped out last year, which maybe give a little bit of an insight. He says the last number of years, it was training was stepping up the whole time. Everyone is trying to bridge that gap. That's obviously to Dublin. And I had a lot of stuff going on myself for college. I was trying to work. I was trying to spend time with my friends and family. I was just trying to keep all the balls in the air and something had to give. I started to resent it a small bit. I didn't want to go training or it was becoming a bit of a chore. Instead, 
um, it started to get to me. And that's why taking a step back was probably the right thing to do. Exactly. Why keep going on through it? And I do think the commitment can be difficult. We know, all know weddings. We know festivals during the summer. We know your friends, especially young fellas, friends after a year of college go away and feckin' wherever to go. I and Appa, is that where they still go or where do the young do? <laughs> Santa Pons in my day, I think. <laughs> well, it was in my day too, Santa Pons. Then it moved on to I and Appa. I was too old to ever go there. But, uh, you know, you miss out on all that stuff and that's fine a year or two because, to be honest, your your love of Gaelic football and your your desire to reach the top of that is like, I don't want to go on that holiday anyway. But then three or four years when that dies down, you're like, geez, I've missed out on all that. And now there's loads of... Fe- yeah. It depends yeah. on the personality, but it can go, it can fester with you and you can start resenting football that you miss out on too much stuff. And when, you, when that happens, take the year out, do it, come back the following year. Yeah. That was always my, my attitude. And you're mad hungry then when you come back the following year. Like, you know, oh, you're yeah. enjoying it. You've got to do what you want to do. And then it's like you're playing football again on your terms. Mm. It's not like 15 years of somebody telling you what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where one year rolls into the yeah. other and you never feel in control yeah. because you're following orders. Exactly. Let's be honest. You're mm-hmm. following or- a lot of orders yeah. and how to live your life orders like imagine someone telling an adult how to live your life yeah and and, and this time of year especially I was thinking about the Leash Boys you know when you get a new manager in as well and then they're coming involved enthusiasm and new plans and you're just like ah fucking piss off like you know when especially when it's starting in November but when you take a year out then you, you, like again you are deciding when you want to go back yeah. and it's all, again it's on your terms and then you might even start thinking geez, I don't know why I was so against that yeah. Like, yeah, I really yeah, miss, yeah. I really yeah. miss yeah. it and, but they all need so again I'm not annoyed with the Kingstons, but I'm annoyed. Because it is hard. It's definitely hard. So David Reedy is another one, lads, who stepped away from Clare last year. He needed a break. Um, he's back in this year now under uh, Brian Lowen. So Brian Lowen is the new Clare manager. And I t- he told a great little story of uh, he had a run in with Brian Lowen. So we know that um, Brian Lowen was manager of UL. And there's fairly big rivalry with UL and Limerick IT. And Reedy was playing with Limerick IT and he was telling a story of a bit of a row that happened. Um, so he said there was a shoulder or two. This was before one of the UL LIT games. He said there was a shoulder or two um, to the two yet to to the UL lads in the huddle. I was turning around and all of a sudden I just got a hand onto my neck. I looked up and it was Lowen himself. But once he put his hand on me, your natural reaction is to throw your hand back up into his holy war broke out it was basically a 30 man on 30 man brawl so that was my first introduction to Brian Lowen (laughs) he says really uh, he says it was kind of a natural reaction if someone puts their hand to you what do you do you're either going to crawl away or you're going to fight so that was an interesting uh, first meeting he says Lowen joked with him about it or whatever I'd say in a way Brian Lowen would be very impressed with that kind of reaction with uh, David Reedy did he know he was taking on well his future manager yeah. yeah, well, this fellow from a team of uh, a Clare team that weren't exactly shrinking violets with himself and uh, Shawnee McMahon, and I can't think of the midfielder's name. It's uh, what's Colin, it? Lynch. Colin Lynch, Ollie, yeah, Ollie yeah. Baker, Ollie Baker. But David Fitz would have been over LIT, right? Yeah, at the time. So yeah. no surprise that uh, David Reedy would have been wound up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we don't know. He didn't give the year, so we don't know. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a good chance it was. Sure, David yeah. was with them for so long. Yeah. So that's it. So a big hand came on the back of his neck. Thought <laughs> 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 oh, that was a good one. Liam Cahill, the new Waterford manager, has been speaking, lads, and I think this is a nice, refreshing quote. So I'm going to read it out to you. He says, I'm a fierce believer that hurling. This can. This isn't just hurling. This can go for any uh, uh, code. 
I'm a fierce believer that hurling is played going forward. I'm not a believer in going back to field to ask questions about the opposition. Now the fear is probably there that you could get opened up. And when you go in, uh, you go up against top quality opposition, that may happen. But I just can't get my head around any team going out and not being able to ask questions to the opposition. I said earlier that hurling is a game of instinct and being able to make a decision in a split second. I thought that was a great line. But I just can't get my head around any team coming out and not being able to ask questions to the opposition. Just got me thinking about... uh, you know, Gaelic football and the counter-attack game. And I, I did, uh, was at the Leinster final, obviously, and A-Rogue, who were a good team and no problem. They do the counter-attack game really well. They break in numbers and it's great to watch when that works and they destroyed Port Leash with it. I'm not, I think every team should have some element of a counter-attack game. Depending on the time in the game, if you're defending a lead, 10 minutes to go, it's perfect to maybe invite them on with you, to you, and hit them on the break when they're getting desperate and they won't have, you know, maybe force a pass that they wouldn't have done. Perfect. But Aeroke had a gale force wind, lads, that they were leaving two forwards down there and a huge disconnect then to the rest of them. They only had a running game. And I'm like, that's so silly. You know, you only have one weapon. You have a strong wind. I would be like, Ballyboden scored three points. I would be like, let's leave our defence wide open man on man. Let Ballyboden score five or six instead of three. And we'll try and hit them for two weight with the wind. We'll bombard these lads now with this scale. You know what I mean? Mm. That attitude. And this isn't a criticism of A-Rogue. This is a general criticism of the game. Why cannot there be a couple of game plans? And one being leave four or five forwards up as much as possible if we have an advantage of a wind. I see it loads of times. But he's like, I just can't get my head around any team coming out and not being able to ask questions of the opposition. Why would they not? Yeah. Why would you not just go? And you can still be a defensive team, but when, when it's required, don't start the game like that when you have the advantage of a wind, it just looks silly. Yeah, like you, you think of think of Dublin, right? Da- Daniel Flynn's talking about trying to bridge the gap to them. Dublin like look indestructible all the time. And then Tyrone played them in the league and just pumped ball into Cahill McShane and Matty Donnelly. Made them look human, like had them shaking, had them making mistakes. Yeah. And then Kerry played them in the final. Again, like Johnny Cooper looked like a mess. Yeah. Johnny Cooper, like, yeah. and, you know, all these boys and suddenly like they're, they're sweating and, and again, they're panicking. Like Killian Splan comes on, just roast boys, puts it in the net because you're asking questions, but you can't do that without having four forwards. You up. can't do it mm. without leaving enough forwards up. And you have to, you have to, potentially lose out on one side to gain on the other side and we've analysed this to death lads but it just seems very slow kind of turnaround because you're watching the club championships now and a lot of them are playing one or two forwards and that big disconnect and the teams that are able to get support up there like Kaku and the Ulster final look good but against Derry Gonley they didn't get that support up and they look terrible (laughs) and you're kind of leaving it to chance like is this move going to allow our two Mm. wing forwards to get up and then they have a gruelling feckin' game right you have to be back here working and you have to get back up there and these lads must be running marathons to try (laughs) and you know just leave forwards up there lose out one end to gain the other end and hopefully in the championship next year we'll see a lot more than that like I remember like it's even highlighted when you see a team remember Carlo against Leash or any team that's down and they're still depending on a counter-attack game when they're down. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It just, yeah. just looks so silly. There's, yeah. It's not that hard to have a counter-attack game within your, like, a shout from the sideline. Lads, we're three up, ten minutes to go. A trigger, Drop. Yeah. <clears throat> Drop. Yeah. Let's work it now and surprise them. Surprise them. Anyways, I don't want to get too much in it, but it got me thinking, because I was reading the Irish news, it was Catter O'Kane um, talking about Ulster, 
as performance in the last decade. And like I, I kind of laughed at it, like Ulster is the only province that talk about the province yeah. rather than each. In Leinster, <laughs> Munster, Connacht, we're worried about ourselves. In, in Ulster, it's a problem with Ulster. And it's, it's, it's just a, a history, Connacht, where you had this kind of, you know, I don't know, underachieving province. And, you know, you, you, you're probably getting hammered by the big boys going up to Croke Park until it all changed in the 90s. And it's like, we're all in this together. Yeah. But like I thought that would change when you all start winning all Ireland's, but it hasn't. It, it, maybe a little bit, but yeah. not 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 that much. Anyways, he talked a little bit about um, the record, and it doesn't make for good reading for for Ulster football. If we're being honest, they've won all Ireland. That's Donegal. They've M- been more than Connacht. More than Connacht, yeah. <laughs> more than, than, that's more than hard, Con- come on. Connacht, Connacht don't have an inquest into Connacht. <laughs> yeah, <you know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're just worried about Mayo, yeah. Galway, Roscommon, whoever it is. They've no national league. Right, so Dublin have five, Cork three, Kerry Mayo one each, Tyrone and Derry got the finals. They all are in club title. They haven't won that since 2012. They won the first three of the decade. Galls, Cross McGlen, uh, Cross McGlen won two. They've only won one under 21. That was Tyrone in 15. And they've been to two other finals in 10 and 11. And they've only won minor and that was 2010. It's been a very underperforming decade. And I'm going back to the reason for that. And which I don't think Carr touched on this. Like... It's the tactics. Telling you, lads, since 2011, more than any other province, more than any other province, Ulster has been in a defensive football, uh, you know, state where they can't, they're not coming out of it because they're worried that the other team won't come out of it and they'll get hit on the counter. I don't know, for whatever reason, all the defensive coaches and the gurus of defensive football are, are from Ulster if we're being honest let's, let's call a spade a spade they haven't come out of it they haven't won All-Ireland at any grade really and I think it's because of the football they're, they're, that they're playing up there they're not like Liam Cal says I just can't get my head around any team coming out and not being able to ask questions of the opposition they're not doing that they're not doing that enough and you made the good point of Tyrone doing it Dublin and beat Dublin in the league we didn't see Tyrone doing that for 10 years haven't won in All-Ireland doing that for 10 years. Nobody has other than Donegal and they surprised everyone that year. You know, I don't know, Conan, I don't know what you think of it. I know, I'm glad Stephen McDonald's not here because I'd be getting around. <laughs> Just yeah. look at Conan, Conan's stony face here. I tend to agree. Yeah. There's the footballers in Ulster to challenge for All-Ireland, but go and challenge for them. Don't wait for another team to make a mistake and then maybe hit them on the break. That's all gone. Those, that, those tactics are gone. Find something new for the next decade and try and win an All-Ireland go for it Donegal can do it have the potential to do it they drew with Kerry in a shootout this year yeah. like, and, and that was blatantly leaving four forwards up you just want the others to follow suit yeah I think I, I asked you the other day like you know, Donegal personnel wise like, they probably have as good a team as Kerry or Mayo like you know if you were going down through the last few years you would say Donegal right up there with them and they haven't pushed on to a semi-final yet you know which is a big Disappointment for them. Like, I actually sometimes I, I'm being, I'm from Ulster, so I get naturally defensive outside of GA as well. Also, <laughs> people are just like defensive, like in a long history of Ireland trying to sell us off to Britain and stuff like that, you know. But and trying to feel included. But um, yeah, like I, I think like I don't know if it started in Ulster, but I, I think this is spread all over. Like you know, I play football in Dublin though as well. Like and you know, I see like you know teams just playing counter attacking games and like the idea is getting fit and being strong. And yeah, it's it's always about like not conceding at the other end because you think you can do it at the other side. Probably with Ulster, maybe it started there earlier, and I think it's seeped right down to underage levels and stuff. And you can see these big teams coming through, and they're all playing that same yeah. same sort of level. But they're like. 
All the big winning teams though have not played that system. Isn't that outside of Donegal in 13 and 12 and they now they surprised everybody. They haven't won one since using those. Yeah, in 12 they had evolved a little bit from 2011 evolved. as well they weren't as ultra defensive no, as they were in 2011 No and their, their counter attack was much better yeah, and McGuinness got refined. down on the field more refined and they broke brilliantly but I remember teams that year lads just pushing up attacking them not holding on to possession giving them those turnovers gone and then didn't have the work rate to follow them back look it was the perfect yeah. kind of ambush on Gaelic games that was but now my point is it doesn't work all the good club, the good club teams that win all Ireland's Dr. Croaks Cara Finn don't play like that Dublin, Kerry, Mayo don't play like that the teams winning all Ireland's are contesting them regularly they don't play like that Cork this year went away from that and look made vast improvements trying to attack teams I just think just start asking questions of the opposition mm. like you said look how human Dublin looked when you actually start asking yeah. them questions yeah. the, the problem with Ulster is that it's always been a competitive enough province on its own so when the games are that tight as well there's less chance of people taking risks do you know if you know the game's going to be decided by two or three points then you're not going to open up as much so teams go in as a stalemate and, and the other team are playing that way so then you play that way and you're just seeing how things go and like RMI are probably the only ones to really open up in the last few years but Hasn't gone that well for them, especially in Ulster. Yeah, so maybe they've made improvements f- this year and now. I don't think Armagh had the personnel, but I think that Armagh were a lot better this this year. You know, yeah. uh, playing like that didn't like did better than they had the other years. You know, like they've been gra- gradually trying to come out of that. I don't know. It's just I just know if I was managing a team, I'd be like, why would I leave two forwards up there with a huge gap? That is not going to benefit me attacking. So why am I doing it? Yeah. <laughs> why would I do it? Yeah. And I think like a lot of also teams now are trying to, they are opening up and they're trying to have an attack game plan, but they haven't been willing to lose something. So they're trying to do both. So yeah. in their case, it seems like let's just get fitter and we'll do all this defensive work and then we'll get into an attacking position yeah. as well. And that's hard to do yeah. for 70 minutes. Sometimes I wonder with Donegal as well, and we know traditionally they've always been a hand-passing team and there's been different theories of why that has been. So that game plan suited them down to the ground. You know, the running game, the breaking game, through the hands, intricate hand passing. They did that anyways, even when they won in 92, they were known as a hand passing team. But for kick passing counties to resort to leaving two men up there with no option to get it down to them, it's bizarre. It's dumb. It's just dumb. Stop copying it. It's old news. Galway being one of the prime examples. Yeah. yeah. I think it always does Jim McGuinness at the service as well. Like they hand pass for most of it, but then they all, like they used the oh, comic they fan the and Michael time, yeah. Murphy. With a good booming yeah, diagonal ball. Yeah. Two like, goals against Mayo and, and yeah, for it's, five it's, minutes in 2012. Exactly. Like, and it's funny because like, these defensive tactics are very risk adverse, so nobody wants to make a mistake or kick the ball away. But McGuinness was happy enough to lose the ball in the other side of the pitch because he was trying something attacking wise. Yeah. Then he focused on defence. Yeah. Thing. But the other teams were weren't in 2012 they weren't really protecting those two on two you know there was a naivety McGuinness tactically was well ahead of his time but now it's caught up on that and now what's going to be the new thing it has to go back some way towards the traditional leaving mm. forward how can you score without scoring forwards and get it up to them and, and hopefully it, that will be yeah, the case and it has because like, everyone's looked at Mayo and saw that they got closest to Dublin and now Kerry obviously gave them some game so I think it has gone back to that now. I think it has you see then you have people saying well uh, geez, look what the players Kerry have and look what the players may have and it's like that's not the point Leash won't beat Dublin but Leash should beat Westmead playing like that. Yeah. So it's all relative. Like, I mean, the, the idea that Derry and that Derry and Down should stink out the place with that, that kind of, oh, well, that's Kerry. They're, they're. Sure, Derry and Down are on the same level. Go for it, lads. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see who can, let's see who the best forwards are. Let's see, mm-hmm. you know, like I just, the, 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 the idea, I think, this, I think this decade we're going to see a shift back 
around and a lot of these defensive gurus will be all out of jobs they'll be on the sidelines saying tighten up at the back <laughs> on, the, on, yeah. on the bench uh, while we see goals and points and everyone else cheers right um, a Roscommon motion as this is a classic I'm going to have to speed up here has Colin O'Donoghue coming in here shortly um, the Roscommon motion this was at the Roscommon uh, convention last night so just to get the, these motions obviously come in and then maybe they're put forward to the these are the Roscommon motions that would be put forward to the National Congress isn't it? this how it works anyways uh, my understanding of these uh, administrative comments yeah I, I'm pretty sure that's okay. how it works for the yeah. okay so <laughs> <laughs> not an, an administration sort of fella uh, so this Roscommon motion which was Put forward by the Western Gales GA Club. That's Carl Craig's club. Carl Craig, what a br- great brain on the on the game. What a great player. <laughs> I'd say he will, reading this, like what club member put this forward? Anyways, here, I'm going to read it out to you, Les. This is a classic. Following an aggressive foul, the team awarded the free kick may avail of the following additional option to those already listed in the rule. The player taking the kick may kick for a more attacking position by kicking the ball over the sideline, following which his team will be awarded a free kick from the hands from outside the boundary line from a point the ball across the sideline. (sighs) Now, are you starting to feel nauseous here? (laughs) A decision to avail of this is supposed to be communicated to referee and if the ball doesn't cross the sideline, play continues as normal. He wants a a rugby penalty introduced Uh. into Gaelic games. It's outrageous. Whoever it is, this fella needs, I said last night on Twitter, he needs a lifetime ban from the association. (laughs) We don't want anyone like... And he even calls it a boundary line instead of a sideline. Like, I mean, is this for real? I think this could be a wind-up. I don't want to get too uh, annoyed about it, but that's it. So he wants a free kick and then you kick for touch. Yeah, good, good job he said uh, it must be communicated to the referee you can imagine somebody trying to take a free kick and they put it out over the sideline by accident and say to the ref oh I called for that I called for that I wanted the penalty went off the outside of well I don't know is this creeping in we saw David Moore or Tommy Walsh lift David Moran yeah. that's a line out move that was the genius other yeah that was genius yeah. this is far from genius ok right we're going to finish on this one lads Davy Fitz was talking in I have to say the Wexford um, dressing room seems like a very fun kind of place uh, to be so we know to play music. He was talking about this uh, last year. The, the music is blaring out before training. They arrive there early. They enjoy each other's company. They go out in the field. And uh, he said before the Tipperary game last year, they were out in the field, the players, without being asked, an hour before training, doing their own thing. Now, it is for an all in semi-finals. So, like, I mean, let's, you know, it's not Stephen Cluxton levels here where he's doing that every game. We don't know. But anyways, he was talking about the music. So they have a music director that dictates what music is, being, is on in his restroom. He says they take that very serious whoever's in charge of the music we sacked Mark Fanning halfway through the year (laughs) halfway through the year he says there was a meeting called and he was got rid of as director of music they do things like this for the crack and I kind of love it where they'll make where they'll make me call a meeting just to sack him (laughs) it's a classic and we brought in Shane Reck the quietest guy in the team and now he's the music director (laughs) that's great so I can imagine Dave I I always remember the Lions video do you remember the one where they had the the court they had the court and it looked like great fun I remember Justin McNulty did something similar with us where we gave out awards at Christmas time for best trainers, most horrible tattoo, just silly stuff, yeah. um, you know, at Christmas. And we all enjoyed it. And lads came up, got the reward, Justin shook their hand and went <laughs> yeah. back there. Yeah, yeah. But I can imagine Davy Fitz coming to the dressing room. Lads, 
Very important here now. Yeah. It's a meeting now, and your man goes. Who is if Mark, Mark Fanning goes up on on the on the on the dock to try and explain <laughs> his director of music? And look, lads, it just looks like good fun, right? That's brilliant. A lot of pressure there on Shane Wreck as well. It is a yeah. tough job to keep everybody happy. It with is. The music. It is, especially for a quiet man, Shane Wreck. Yeah. You know, listen, we feel your pain here, here, Shane. Anyways, listen, lads, we have to leave it there because we're we've got Carl Barrett up next, and after that, we'll talk to Connor O'Donoghue. Fellas follow me, and not just Cork lads. You know what I mean? Mm. And, uh, it happens. It happens, yeah. and, and it does happen. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing: it's a lonely spot, and the best thing you can do is keep moving. And I thought Connolly yeah. looked to be trying to do yeah. that the last yeah. time. The camera show doesn't look great. Yeah, there was, um, maybe if they could say it was theatrical, or whatever. But like the reality is that there was contact, and um, I wasn't trying to win a penalty. I was trying to go out and win the ball. You know, actually, it's funny. Your man Conan, what's your name on, the, on your program, like? I, I was wondering if he had the same match as me. He was kind of making out Terry, but unlucky to lose. Like, let's go. Ten percent luck, twenty percent skill, fifteen percent concentrated power of will, five percent pleasure, fifty percent pain, and a hundred percent reason to remember the name. Cahill Barrett, welcome to the GER. Thanks, Colin. So you are here as an ambassador for on-the-ball team-building training camps. So you can fill us in on that. You have a lovely new top there from them and everything. Yeah, lovely new top. Um, it's yeah, it's um, it's a company down in in, in Kerry that have set up. They're doing basically team building for uh, for sports teams. So they, what to do is to bring you down to a nice scenic area in Kerry, do a lot of team building exercises and workshops, and they'll also bring in a guest speaker to talk kind of the mental side of preparation, I suppose, for teams. So like the kind of Kieran Donnay and these lads that uh, have been there and done through, done it all. Um, right. So it's really yeah, it's really good a uh, really good experience. All right. Right, sounds good. Maybe you'll have to do some of the talks, considering that you're you're an ambassador for them. So we'll we'll look forward to that. It's probably geared a bit more towards uh, club teams than county teams, really, because like I mean, I wouldn't think Liam Sheedy necessarily needs that. Yeah, so I suppose yeah, main, mainly um, mainly club teams, I suppose, start off. But I'm I'm sure to as it, as it progresses and hopefully builds, I'm sure they'll try uh, bring in uh, uh, county teams. But um, look at like the area hasn't carry and up up mountains and things like that. I think it's uh, it's it's ideal, and the more hardship, the, the better for inter county teams. I'm sure they'll get a to get win of pure hardship for players they've no bother bringing you down yeah exactly right so how's things down in tip have the celebrations died down you're back in training everything's uh, focused on the new year I suppose yeah yeah it's died down <laughs> died down a long time ago unfortunately yeah, it, uh, so look I suppose after after the week then you're kind of lads are gone back into work and gone back to their studies and things like that and look the club the club scene started back straight away so uh, the celebrations ended, I suppose, after the week, but uh, everyone kept celebrating for us, no doubt. Is that the thing? The main, the main thing after All Ireland, I've never done it, but like, I mean, you know, Limerick celebrated last week, but then there was no extended celebrations. It's that that kind of intense week of celebrations, and then everybody kind of maybe bringing the cup to your club a couple of weeks later yeah. or whatever. Is that how it works? Yeah, I suppose kind of is like you have your you have your couple of days maybe to the Wednesday or, or the or even to Thursdays if some lads can manage it. But uh, I suppose look you, you have to you have to go back to reality as well. Like at the end of the day it is an amateur sport and uh, lads are working and they're in college and things like that. So you have to kinda of go back go back to reality. But then like you have like you said, you have your club things like bring the cup to the clubs, your schools, stuff like that. You'd have little events here and there. Um, which are which are always uh, lovely to get to go to. So 
just just plenty just plenty more times to kind of meet up and and chill again like and uh, sit down and have, have have the crack and a bit of a chat yeah I saw you in the hotel the morning after the All-Ireland and you were surrounded because the big talking point from the All-Ireland was you getting the elbow into the face and I suppose the Kilkenny pundits had a different opinion on that than most of other neutral pundits whoever did, did that whole circus I don't know was it a bit of a distraction from those two or three days where you'd want to be celebrating or did you just kind of brush it off um, yeah to be honest I kind of I kind of just brush it off really like I, I didn't really I, I didn't really care about what was kind of being said about it like it was like I, I don't make the decisions like uh, I'm not the referee I don't make the calls or anything like that so look like I just uh, I just wanted to enjoy the enjoy the moment of winning the All-Ireland really and enjoy it with the, with, with the team and, and with our family and friends that was kind of the main priority to me what, what's done and said after that it's out of my control and it's it's not really doesn't really concern me really. Yeah. Some of the criticism again only from Kilkenny lads is that you made a meal of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I mean it it was from my opinion we said this on the show, it was an elbow flush to the jaw and you don't know what a reaction can come from that. I've seen heavyweight boxers fall from mm. kind of glancing blows like that. I don't maybe describe what, what it was like when Yeah, it, like I like I just I literally I just kinda of stepped inside and, and, and Richie just kinda of caught me with with with, uh, with with the shoulder or the elbow or whatever it was. Um but like it was just I, I don't, couldn't really make a meal of it like um, to be honest uh, I suppose it did. people probably thought I made a meal of it but like it was the doctor had to assess me and things like that so like I can't exactly just say to the doctor yeah I'm grand let's drive on like he has to ask me all the questions and ah yeah no not that so. it was the initial impact like your hands kind of went up right but you did fall down in a in a position where it wasn't really natural it looked like you were a little bit out yeah yeah well like I suppose maybe it was a bit it was a kind of shock of getting the hit like I wasn't really expecting to get to get hit at all to be honest yeah. I, thought I, would, I thought I had completely I completely sidestepped him so maybe it was a bit of shock but I don't think I was thinking in my head uh, in the middle of an iron final right I need to jump here now I'm actually getting tipped yeah yeah yeah, like. yeah you were probably expecting a shoulder I don't think Richie intended that he intended to meet you kind of shoulder oh, like on he ju- and yeah, he missed absolutely. you and, yeah. that was it like he intended to shoulder me into the sand as, as every normal person would yeah. do like I would do the same but like, I just stepped at I mean, it on the right time at the wrong time, and it just it just clipped me as all well. right. Okay, and then you ended up as a sweeper for the second half. That came as a big surprise to me. I was like, "How will they rejig rejig this now and everything?" Like, did that come as a surprise to you? Um, it didn't really come as anything. Like, it wasn't uh, it wasn't something that was uh, prefabricated or sat down and discussed or anything like that. To be honest, it was just my man was gone, so I was just I was in that role. Um, oh, obviously they probably could have sw- could have easily switched if they want and uh, put me on someone, but. Like, lads had their jobs to do and... He didn't want to mess up the other kind maybe, of... Maybe so, yeah, but, like, I played that role plenty, plenty of times before, like, so it's not For a role. tip? Yeah, I played a sweeping role once or twice oh, right. when teams have played a sweeper against us. Um, so, like, it's not something I'm, uh, I haven't done before, like, and look, all I want to do is go out and hurl the ball anyway, like, the, yeah. the boys know that, so I was always going to be in my element. It was a lovely little role for a second half of an All-Ireland, right? It was a fair treat. No. <laughs> <laughs> Especially your starting Mark and Richie Hogan, and now you have a free role for the second half, like, yeah. unbelievable. So, but I wanted to talk to you a bit about man-marking cornerbacks, because you were one of the man-markers in hurling, where you do like to, you know, have a reputation for being a sticky, tight defender, and I don't know... In Gaelic football, they're everywhere on every team, and you don't see as many of them in hurling. It's almost like cornerbacks want to hurl their own area, and you know I'll beat you rather mm. than I'll block you out of the game. Is that is that the kind of attitude in hurling? Yeah, maybe maybe it's more like my attitude that I take towards it is um, I basically I kind of almost like hurl hurl like a corner forward, like I try to get out in front rather than letting him get the ball and then stop him. Right, I've no interest in that really. Like I, at the end of the day, like I just want to hurl and get my hands on the ball because. 
like sure you, there's only so much pulling and dragging you can do like you, you get kind of sick of that like yeah. uh, you used to leave but, that to James Barry like <laughs> but it's not easy when the forward gets the ball in his hurl to stop him you only, you, no, your only option not. is a block right oh, and, that's it, yeah. like, and, and I suppose like you're taking a fair risk going out in front because if you do miss the ball or anything like it's probably going to end up in the back of the net because they're so close to goal there's no you're the last line defence really besides the goalie yeah so and ha- does tough. James Barry like this tactic because you're meant to be sweeping behind him who does that right isn't that how the, the whole structure of the full back line ah, of course he does James loves when I'm <laughs> around there I'll, I'll pick up the ball from he'll wrestle away and uh, I'll, uh, I'll pick up the ball <laughs> and do you enjoy the corner because you played wing back um, at underage and you played midfield for Michael Ryan in his last year I think you play midfield for your club as well mm. so like being stuck in the corner is it like alright look I'll just I'll do whatever job you want um, well I suppose like I started off in, with tipping with seniors in the corner um, I wasn't going to argue where I played I was only delighted yeah. just to get to play like, and sure then look I just grew into the position and no I, I, lo- I, I genuinely do love it like I love the I love the, phys- the physical battle like I love I love going one on one with a fella and like I'd go on towards it all and I, it's like it's just just between the two of you like there's no there's no advantage either fella it's just whoever wins wins like so like you get a great kick out of that and uh no, so look, I'll take any position on a team. I'll go up and stand in 14 instead of Shamey if you want. So I don't mind. You play, you scored your only ever point for Tip Seniors in that game against Clare when you were midfield. Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, I scored. Um, it was against Clare. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I scored a point against Clare. Yeah, in midfield. Look, I, no, I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, I definitely enjoy it. Like, um, like I suppose I, I uh, look, there's plenty of hurling in uh, in cornerbacks nowadays. I think compared to maybe 20 years ago, it's, it's completely changed. Like maybe cornerbacks back then were just big massive brutes of men like that used to just leather lads and just drive the ball 100 yards down the field nowadays the way it's gone like you're marking some serious forwards and the ball given in is top class like it's coming at angles so it's it's a lot harder to, to kind of stop a lad so you need to have a bit of hurling in you to be honest Well that's it and like I mean again instead of the clearances now you have to look up and see where's Noel McGrath and yeah. let's move it through him or whoever else is detailed for that Sure that's it like I, I don't think I've ever really I'd say once maybe twice in my whole career have I ever driven the ball 90 yards down the field just just had hit and let get rid of out yeah. here because like you'd be shot like and rightly so yeah. because but you get a huge cheer out of the crowd in Semple Stadium though yeah unfortunately the crowd aren't turning <laughs> the match though and they're it's not picking to, the team but it takes a lot of discipline not to get that cheer because even does, now in yeah. hurling that's what gets the big cheer especially does, when yeah. you're under pressure you know yeah it does yeah it, it is hard like, if, like the crowd do love when you just drive the book catch a ball maybe or, or win a ball and drive it off down the field but like, so it, it's hard to stop yourself but then I suppose when you're looking at it when you're looking out in front and like Noel McGrath running around like it's probably it's easier to give him the ball really because like sure look just give the ball to Noel McGrath and he's going to see what he can do with it like yeah no exactly come here how do you look back on the three years with Michael Ryan if you're to look at the whole three years you know it started off so well then in 17 you were dropped off the panel and it was a weird one of being dropped off the panel because you got a, a really long injury and I didn't know is, is he actually injured or is he gone or what's the story mm-hmm. there so a lot of confusion then you came back in his last year and you were a bit injured and the only game you started was that last game in midfield which w- wouldn't be your normal position like it was a fair roller coaster I suppose yeah it was it was a weird one Ari yeah look I suppose maybe like uh, it started off great because we won the all Ireland and then 17 then I got injured and I was going to be out for three couple of months and should, then I was dropped so that was a like that was a massive uh, that was a, that was a massive kind of um, it was I suppose a bit of a bit a, of a blow for a bit you of a I'm blow sure, yeah. yeah more or less yeah sure look it, it was I suppose because you're nursing an injury then almost on your own like you're uh, like you're away from the group and the right. support of everyone else like so things like that aren't really easy and then 18 I uh, I was out I was out midfield which was fine but then I started I picked up one or two little niggly injuries that cost me a couple of games. And so then I only kind of started coming right in the last game, and sure we ended up uh, we ended up just losing out in that. So I suppose there were two kind of disappointing years. Like there was just if I, I almost feel like um, 
I almost feel like kind of lost two years really. Yeah, for all yeah the you're only 26. Like, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, but the years can slip by between injuries and. Kind oh, they of can the, easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and so look, any, like, like getting an injury in, in any time, in any pair of season, season is a disaster because, like, it's going to take at least five, six weeks. And within that five, six weeks, you got a two championship games missed and some fellas after hurling a storm. And that's you kind of like waiting now to get back in. Like, yeah. you know, like it's, 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 um, it's, it's a very small margin in that regard. Yeah. So in 17 then, so you've, you were dropped off the panel, you're injured, and there's a lot of people in Tipperary asking, is he coming back? We need him back, stuff like this. Are you training away on your own, hoping you might get that phone call to come back? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I got injured in 17 and, and I was off, yeah, I was, I was still training away, absolutely. Yeah, and who, as, as what physio are you going to? So I was, I was still using the Tipperary fin- right. physio. I just wasn't in, in part of the panel on the in, inside training or anything like that, but uh, I was still using the, still using the boys, but uh, I was doing my own my own thing trend and back in with the club so oh absolutely yeah I, I didn't uh I didn't leave any stone unturned anyway to try to get back as, as much as I could. Right, okay. And there was no communication then with Michael Ryan until 18 when you had some clear-the-air talks. Was that it? Um, no, we would have had communication. I would I would have talked to him kind of before the Galway game where I kind of would almost kind of said, look, will you bring me back? <laughs> bring me back for the match kind of thing. Um, but there wasn't, there wasn't any clear-the-air talks either. Like, I don't know where that kind of headline came out of right. clear-the-air talks because there wasn't, it wasn't like a phone call and uh, saying that we need to meet up and discuss a few things. That was it. I was the the line, the line the sand was drawn long before that anyway. So okay, it was nothing like that. It was just back new year, new new opportunity. Right. So you're you were in contact. So the new year, you're whatever. Yeah, yeah back in. Yeah, you're back in, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. So then I suppose when when um, when Liam Sheedy took over, then are you thinking? You know, does Liam think that I've got some disciplinary issues, or am I going to be okay with him? Or you know, what was that meeting like? Um. No, it's not not really. I think uh, I I don't I don't know about disciplinary issues any really to be honest because I wouldn't uh, I kind of argue that I don't really have disciplinary issues. Like I've never um I've, I've never had a had a problem when it comes to Tipperary hurling or training or anything like that or missing anything like that or but uh, no not really. No, Liam just came in. He said I was tall. Tommy Tommy why he expects of me. I suppose, and that was that was it really. Like I, like he put his trust in me, and I put my trust in him, and that was kind of it. Like it was, yeah. You're very, you're very uh, fulsome in your praise for him. You're saying he just drives perfection. Liam will go to the ends of the earth to get the best out of you because he knows for him to be the best at what he does, he needs us to be the best at what we do. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm a firm believer of um, of uh, investing time in, into people. Like and like he'll come back in trumps. Like so. Like in fairness, Liam invested a lot of time in, into me and everyone else. Um, and like so. Like uh, I suppose the best way to repay him was to try to, to win the All Ireland. Like you know, like I think it comes down to trust. Really, like you know, he put he trusted he trusted me and trusted the rest of the boys. And like, uh, and they brought in the best people they possibly could around us to give us that support. Yeah. So, it, but like you know yourself, if someone's gonna is gonna do something, is gonna do it, something extra for you. Like you're gonna you're gonna be thankful. You're gonna repay them. Like you know, yeah. like you're not gonna so just turn your back. So it's his passion and his work ethic that you go look. If he's doing all this for us. We have to do it for him. Is that kind of uh, kind of yeah, like, like a little bit, absolutely. Like not to simplify it or anything yeah. too much. Well, like like hunger, like it's very infectious attitude to be so driven and things like that. And Liam is a very very driven man, and uh, like you're bound to kind of pick up a bit of that hunger and motivation off him. Like, and look, we all had, we all have the same agenda. We all want to win. He wants to win. We want to win. And like, if he's going to put in the put in the the foundations for us to succeed, like then you'd be mad not to try your everything. Not that you don't try anyway, but. You'd be mad not to yeah, fall, yeah. to get some of it out. Like. Does he get down on the field himself, or does he leave it to the coaches and get reports back from them and stuff? Like, does he actually do? Co- does he coach himself? 
Uh, he would do a small the other bit, yeah, absolutely. He would no, he wouldn't. He's not a man now to stand inside in and watch. Like he'd right. be in squatting down, like roaring at <laughs> like, you, like he likes yeah. to do. Like he likes he to squats do, yeah. on the sideline during the match, doesn't I see, he? I've seen that picture against Wexford, was it? I think all right, it was funny enough. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen him doing that before. And then, of course, after the final whistle blew against uh, Wexford, he turned into a man possessed. Did you see that? I did. Yeah, I, I did. I did. Have you the seen that? Have the you shoulder, seen was it? Or <laughs> yeah. No, he just he did a few Ric Flair. Woo. Yeah, yeah. And he was gone a little bit crazy. Like I mean. I, I, I'm sure in training you see probably that side to him as well. Yeah, yeah, but look, that just shows the passion, the passion he has for it. Like, you know, and like it's that that's, I think that stuff is very, very infectious. And like, uh, so I, I think it's great to see. And you need that. I think you need a kind of real hands-on kind of hands-on manager, like rather than just standing aside, letting everyone else do it. Like, he like Liam likes to get in and know exactly what's going on and get down and dirty with you. Like, so yeah. That's, that's perfect. Was it a big job to turn around the Munster final defeat? Because you'd been flying it, like, and you're destroying teams, mm. and then you get a bit of a beating in the Munster final. And I was just wondering, like, what would the message be from him then? You know, that kind of way, how to get turned this around, because you were flat against Leash, and it it took the Wexford game to spark you back again. Yeah, no, it was very, look, the Munster final was very, very disappointing, um, um, obviously, but uh, I suppose it, it, it does take maybe a couple of weeks to um, to get over or something like that. Like, look, let's call it Spade, Spade Limer destroyed us. Absolutely destroyed us. So it does take that does hit home like that. That is that does hurt like when you get such a, a clipping in a Munster final. Like because like like we want like you want to win everything you can. Like it's only a short space of time. Like so you want to win as much as you can. And when you're putting in such such effort and everything is going so well, then all of a sudden you get a bit of a you hit a speed bump. It is disappointing. Yeah. Um, so how did he? How like did he leave you until the following Thursday off? Let it get you out of your system? Or yeah, like, I think what was did, the message yeah. then on the Thursday? Yeah, forget about of, that. That's easier said than done, I suppose. Well, it wouldn't definitely. Geez, no, we definitely wouldn't be forgetting about it anyway. It was more. <laughs> it was more like this is this is what maybe where we went wrong. This is what we need to fix. We just try to just try to improve and fix the things that went really really bad for us. Um, but I suppose the main thing is to keep the belief that that uh, the belief in the squad and belief in everyone. And to not kind of get disjointed or in any way, like because those kind of those kind of hiccups can definitely disjoint a team, like when yeah. you go, especially when you're going so well and you hit that speed bump, like they can throw you. So it was kind of keep the belief and re- and get back on the horse as quick as you can. Because like. that's the thing. The thing I always think about with Tipperary is the year you won the All Ireland sixteen. You came back in seventeen and you were brilliant again, and then you got hammered by Galway and the wheels completely came off. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And I was thinking that against after Limerick, I wonder how they handle that differently because Tipperary sometimes because your supporters are crazy. Like they expect you to win every game. Mm. That when things go wrong, it seems like the wheels come off. Yeah, yeah. No, it can absolutely. It can, it can disjoint it. Um, it, it. I suppose maybe the best thing is to get in, get in around, get, get everyone in around together, and just get back slogging away through it as well, and just try try learn. I suppose you can just learn as much you can from the defeat. Like, but I suppose if if you keep bringing it on your shoulders, it's going to weigh you down and weigh you down. Like, like the opportunity was done and passed. We didn't we didn't win. So like the next goal was to win the All Ireland. Like so. Do you either want to keep wallowing about what's happened or do you want to try and make something happen in the yeah, future? Yeah. Do, you, do you split the season into two at the start to, to give yourselves two clear objectives rather than not let one ruin um, the other one? Do you know that kind of a way? Yeah, I know. Like, don't look too kind of far ahead. Um, may, maybe, I suppose, I suppose, you definitely shouldn't look too far ahead. Like, there's no point looking at an All-Ireland in or January. Say, no, maybe say we're in a Munster Championship this year and we're in an All-Ireland Championship. Yeah. And they're not mixed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, to, yeah. Well, I suppose yeah. To, 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 we probably probably subconsciously we definitely do like because like for John John months we're definitely not thinking of any all Ireland. Like I suppose I suppose the way we do nearly is almost take a game by game and just because like you're you're true monster. You're still trying to 
really find your team and find your mojo like so you're not definitely not going to be thinking I will be in an All-Ireland there in two months time so we'll have the team picked but then it doesn't work like that yeah yeah. so, so you've two All-Irelands and you've beaten Kilkenny in both of them so that must be nice beating them well in both of them yeah yeah beating them well in both of them yeah it's it's, uh, it's a rare enough thing to be able to say I'm, I'm sure um, no two All-Irelands yeah it's absolutely look it's absolutely fantastic it's, it's stuff you'd always you'd always dream of um, like when I, when I first started in 14 I remember asking Shane McGrath like will I uh, Will I ever win in All Ireland? Don't know why I asked him that. To be honest, but I just did. <laughs> and he said, "Ah, you'll win one this year." Like, and we kind of like, but sure, I was so young and naive, sure I had no clue. Um, like, we got to All Ireland fourteen. Obviously, we didn't win it. Like, but like, it, like when you lose, it, it is hard to think. Will, it, will I ever get there? Like, you know, yeah, it, it is unbelievable when you finally do make that. Yeah, finally do say. make it. Come here before I let you go. I wanted to ask you about this luminous yellow ball. Have you seen this um, going on today? So there are eight years in the making of this it's a ball but it's a smart ball right so not I mean clever ball it's a smart like your smartphone so it's going to be able to detect goals balls going over the line I'm sure your own Brian Hogan he disputed a couple of ones he's got such a he's so big he's yeah. able to catch him over the line no. and some uh, Hawkeye says they're pints some of them one of them didn't look like a pint um, to me you probably had a better look, yeah. at, look at it, look at those ones um, yeah I, I did see something about alright um well, like I don't know, like what's what's, what's the need for the color change? Even I don't well, know. Do, here's the reason about the color change. I don't know if you're watching the the oh Saint Mullins Rat Downey game on TG Cahar and the sun was coming across this way, mm. and I was watching that game saying I can't see the ball. It was the shine of the sun. So maybe in on days like that, or yeah. I don't know, on 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 with the floodlights, sometimes you can lose the white ball with the line or whatever. That a yellow ball might make sense. Okay, maybe on a summer's maybe on a summer's day the white one's fine. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, but like, I suppose, it, I, I, to be honest, I wouldn't really be bothered too much as long as the ball is is actually is usable, is, is it any good, like, I don't yeah. really, really care about what's in the middle of it, like, you know, like, are they going right. to change the, te- the texture of it, the size of it, the weight of it, all this type of thing, is that going to affect it, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not too sure, well, they are, Patrick Horgan's nearly pucking it over from his own 21 metre sure, line he, now, so. he puck rocks over from his own 21, <laughs> for the love of God. <laughs> He told me before you've marked. I'm sure you've marked him. You're the one detailed yeah. to mark him. He he does so much work striking off his back foot that it's just like a natural strike. He told me so. Like I mean, he's just impossible to block down. Ah, uh, he is. Yeah, like I remember he scored a point down in Parky Creeve this year, and I don't know how he hit it. Like he literally, because I jumped up at least five foot off the ground, and <laughs> like I seen a picture of it. Like like I don't know how he got the ball over me early. Like he literally just came out the side and just little flick of the wrist and was over the bar. Like it was, yeah. it was outrageous. Yeah, what yeah. he can do in fairness. But the, these corner forwards, they're improving all the time. Though is the point I'm trying to yeah. make. I'm sure as a corner back, you're like Jesus. Do I just need to get that bit tighter to get that block on? But yeah, it is definitely it's definitely harder from when I first started. So like, but I suppose the balls in then are completely different. The lads are that's better. Are, are yeah. conscious like they're they're putting sp- their space in front of you and it's angled as well. So it's making it easier for the corner forward, but it's absolute nightmare for the corner back. Like. Oh, it is diagonal balls. No corner back no. likes those, right? No, right. Come here, listen, Cahill. I'm going to leave you. I'm not going to ask you about next year because, like, I mean, we're not into next no, year yet. No. So we, we'll leave. Come off back that to me head. on that one. <laughs> Come here. Thanks very much for coming in. Oh, no Thanks, Milan. he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glen Royal on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay that's great advice yeah it was <laughs> for you yeah. <laughs> 
Conor O'Donoghue from the Fixtures Review Task Force. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Colin. Thank you. So, Colin O'Rourke was writing at the weekend, I'm sure, a county man of yours, yeah. and he said, it's fair to say I poked a bit of fun at this group when it was set up because the, the members were, for the most for the most part, of the establishment. You are not part of that establishment, so maybe explain exactly your background. Yeah, sure. So, Colm is my former teacher, first of all, <laughs> and he's also, uh, he was my, uh, uh, I suppose, my coach in school as well. So, I know Colm uh, very, very well. Um, when we did some stuff with Meath Club Reform in the past, uh, Colm was vocal on that, I suppose, as well. Um, yeah, so my background is I've been involved in club reform in Meath for the last couple of years. And that has, uh, I suppose, given me a little bit of an insight into the way that the, the world operates from a fixtures perspective. And uh, we made some reforms, we've made some progress there. In fact, we're speaking tonight about it down in, in, in Navan around it. So I've been involved in that club fixture stuff for a long, long time. And I suppose on the back of that, I was asked to come in, but I'm definitely not an inside man. You're not as an was, inside you know, man. Yeah, as, you're was, not... as, 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 as was said a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so he said for the most part anyway. Yeah, so yeah. There, would, there would have been you who wouldn't have been an insider, the GPA representative, there would have been the CPA representatives. That would be pretty much it. That wouldn't be kind of established administrators. Yeah, and I th- yeah, I, I guess so. Um, now, the people in the room are incredibly experienced, to be fair, and you have to do that. And I know there's a, there's a, there's a I suppose, a you could bring 10 random people in and, 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 and talk about it, but you have to understand all the issues that are there. Yeah, well, no, they, do, they needed some establishment yeah, yeah, there, yeah. yeah. That needed to happen. And the CPA and the GPA came in as well, obviously representing uh, the views of the players, which is very, very important. I mean, I to be honest with you, I went in, I wouldn't like to say I was sceptical, but I certainly went in uh, just with my eyes wide open as to how things might go. And I can only tell you, Colin, that I was hugely impressed. And that's, um, that's, the, that's the honest truth right. about how the, how, the whole way, how the whole thing was conducted, the, 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 the breadth and depth of the discussions. It was done really, really well. There was no stone left unturned. Um, and, I mean, I went in, as I say, just wanted to see what way, would, what way the ball would bounce. But it, it, it was really, really impressive. And I have to say, I believe that the GAHQ and the guys up there are definitely up for change and reform. Really? Yeah. So th- that's what I wanted to ask you about then. So if they're up for change and reform, and if the whole kind of idea behind setting up this committee was, I, was reform and change, how is there a status quo option still on the table? Yeah, um, I mean, I'll be perfectly frank with you. Number one and number two, either of those are, 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 in my view, massive advancements on where we are today. The issue that we have, of course, is that if people generally, and maybe we, we got in, in, into a bubble, if people generally feel that uh, option one or two are terrible and we've totally lost the plot in terms of what we brought forward to people, well, then there is the stuff. People have to understand what the, what the alternative is, which is keep, not, keeping it as yeah, is. But should you not have the courage of, of your convictions to go... This is our group. We've all the stakeholders in the room. Yeah. This is what we believe will reform the, the, the calendar. And we're standing over this. And we're recommending this. Like, uh, even maybe even just give one example. Colin Merck said you yeah, should have just given one example. I don't mind the two options, but I really can't understand the status quo. How could you stand over being a rev- uh, fixtures review task force, stand over allowing that other one even be an option? I suppose for people that are going to read the report and read one, two, three, it's, it, it, it has to be absolutely crystal clear to those people what happens if we don't go with one and two. And but if there's only an option for one or two. Yeah, but you see, that's not the way the GA operates, uh, Colm, as you know. It, these things have to pass. 
And if they don't pass, the default happens anyway. So it's, it's, it's a little bit, I'm not saying you're misleading, but it's a little bit misleading to say that, um, uh, you know, we, 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 haven't, uh, we haven't really put ourselves out there and we've kind of relied on it. That is going to happen, that status quo, if one and two are not picked. But Central Council might pick the status quo and we might forget about Congress altogether. You're given you're yeah. given central council the option to veto the other two, which shouldn't have shouldn't really have happened. I can tell you, there's absolutely no chance that central council will will pick the status quo. Absolutely zero chance, really? in my view. Absolutely zero. But they're comfort. I can't, I can't, we know they yeah. don't even. Gia people don't even want yellow slitters now. That's <laughs> the latest thing. Change is not something we accept. I, well, that is true. Everybody wants change, and nobody wants to change. And that 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 I mean that is true across the board. But I can tell you genuinely, and I and I didn't know Tom Ryan, and I didn't know John Horn before <laughs> I went into this process. Both of those are absolutely committed to this. That, you that, think they're genuine because the CPA. That's my, that's my view. The CPA are very skeptical about that. Yeah. You know, and were they vocal about that in the meetings or? You know, was it a big shock for you that they walked out? They don't believe that John Horan and Tom Ryan want change. And that's why the status quo is in there. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I won't speak for, this to, to, for the CPA, but what I'll say to you is that there was Michael Higgins and Michal Brioli were in those meetings. Two good guys. They were absolutely committed to change and reform themselves and all of that. They went into those meetings a little bit different to the rest of us in the sense that they had to, uh, I suppose, go back and deal with their body all the time. So they didn't have this plenipotentiary status. If you remember from your Michael Collins and Eamon de Valera. We, so, 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 so they went in and they didn't have the ability to go and talk and shoot the breeze in the way that the rest of us did, whereas, whereas the GPA did. So they were in, a, I suppose, a, a straitjacket position a lot of the time when they went to, to, to speak to the rest of the group, where the le- whereas the rest of us allowed the, 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 the issues to develop and to try and arrive at, 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 uh, at good conclusions and, and, and ultimately good proposals. So I, I mean, I, I can't speak for the CPA. I think they were very determined. I don't know, but I think they were very determined for themselves to have arrived at the ultimate solution. They came to us and Michal presented very well at the very, very start on a range of, 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 of different proposals they had. I think it's seven and eight. I have them there with me in, 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 the, uh, in the bag. Um, and there were some issues with those proposals. Just, I mean, so, some competitions weren't in them. There was issues around windows. They did come back then again later in the process and uh, they came back with a fresh set. And we had a number of stipulations that we had to deal with for any proposal that was there. It was things like um, you must have four week. you can't have any more than four weekends for county players. There had to be a number of, of, of windows that were there and, and, and they weren't quite, they were nearly there, but not quite there, I suppose, on that. And then they came with their last set, which is their third set of proposals at the very, very end. Whereas the other two, option one and two, had already gone through the ringer. And we, it was just too late to come back. And, uh, and it really was another no, one, right? Yeah, it was really nothing personal. I, well, I didn't think so. So did but, you think they wanted to be seen as saving the day? This is our one. I think that everyone has a view on their oh, own. Oh, everybody, yeah. Uh, has do, a view yeah. on their own. And they think that their own proposal is the winner and, and all of that. Um, I think they maybe got caught up a little bit in that towards the end where they definitely wanted to have the one that they brought up before the people and then they would have backed that. And look, I understand they've been involved. They've made a very valuable contribution, to be fair to them. And I have to say, number one, I'm a CPA member myself. And two other members of the committee are, are, were also CPA members. So everyone came out of the, jumped out of the closet, George Michael style, in the middle of this to, 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 to I suppose, illustrate that their platform was one that we were all very sympathetic to. So none of the administrators are CPA members? Not is that what they, you're saying? They didn't come out of the closet if they were, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, so will we talk about two, but the only proposal, uh, personally, I don't think 
the one where you're moving counties around provinces for the main championship. I don't know if that's a runner. Um, I like the other one because I came up with it. Um, you've changed it a little bit. I do think that, from my opinion, you've bottled it a little bit in that there's there are two glaring division All-Irelands, one and two there. Mm. But you've tried to keep everybody happy by allowing a team, the top team in Division 3 and the top team in Division 4, allowing them compete with the big boys, even though they're going to get beaten. And, you know, there's an element of the Division 3 and 4 counties. Oh, well, we want to play for Sam. My attitude is when you get to Division 2, you can play for Sam. And there's two, you know, obvious, the four divisions are split down the middle. Yeah. And if you're one and two, you did it a little bit different than that. Yeah, um... Absolutely. There's 32 teams, 16 and 16. Absolutely. Makes perfect sense for, for if you're coming at this from year zero and all of that. But you're not. And I mean, uh, players from Division 3 and 4 counties have been really clear with us the whole way through is that they wanted a competition that, uh, that at the start of the year or when the championship began, they wanted to, 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 to be there to compete for Sam. Now, yeah. whether but we think see, that's the right yeah. thing or not, I, I mean, that's... But that's players bound to want that. Who wouldn't want that? What intermediate player in Mead? You stick it out on a vote. Who wants to play senior football or hurling? Sure, every intermediate player worth their salt is going, I want to be in that company. Wait until you're good enough. That's, the adi- that's my attitude. And Division 3 and 4 teams, um, Leash are flirting with the two of them. It's not like mm, I'm trying mm, to, mm. you know, talk from a position here where Leash would never be in it. I said it before, I'd take a Division 2 All-Ireland next year over being in Division 2 and not getting anywhere. Do you know? I, I think there's too much kind of plow-mossing being done with Division 3 and 4 yeah. teams. I mean, just to take you back, I mean, all of this column has to go through a Congress Okay, so we can have all of our views on whatever we, we think is the best thing, and we all do have different views on, on, on all the different aspects of what could happen in all Ireland. But one of the things that this task force came through and decided was we have to let everyone uh, have the option where they could win in all Ireland. Because, number one, there's this issue around elitism and all of that uh, for, for a start, whether you agree with it or not. And the second thing is, in reality, uh, it won't get through Congress, in our view, if we eliminate half the teams at the start of the year. What will happen in the years to come if that if that option is is uh, is passed? I I do actually believe that in due course the division three and division four counties might decide. Well, do you know what? Let's have our own intermediate All Ireland, and, and and let's go at it from there. But I think that the, the momentum for that has to come from those counties. If it doesn't, because it's not there at the moment, they we will be seen as forcing them into a secondary competition, and they'll be bitterly opposed to it. And then we will have the status quo. So we, we have to be... Uh, yeah, we political to, maybe. Well, yeah, it. well, we have to be reasonable with everyone. And people, we can shoehorn people into different competitions and that's yeah. fine. But the, but, thing, but the, fun, the thing about it is, is that the, the, the top two teams in Division 3 will play for Sam the next year anyways because there's promotion relegation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. Division 3 teams are going to get that. They just have to wait a year if you're good enough. Do you know that? I think you could probably sell it, you know, a, a little bit. Everyone has a chance to play for Sam. Just maybe not everyone this year. No, I, you know? I, and look, I absolutely hear, hear where you're coming from. What I'd say is if that option, option, uh, option two is the one that's passed, you can see yourself that in the years to come, if, if, there's, if there's a, you know, a change in mood, etc., it's very, very easy to, to change things around. And the other thing that we had in every one was a tier two proposal. So would it be, you know, beyond the reams of possibility in three years time, division three and four counties said, look, let's do our tier two and tier one or yeah. intermediates. I, I don't think it w- is beyond the reams of possibility, but right now, I mean, we can have all the grandiose plans that we want, but it has to be something that's politically palatable to a percentage of people. If it's not, 
we will be back to where we were before. Yeah. And, and, and we, we this, look at this, I just can't emphasize this enough, Colin. This is a, I won't say once in a generation, but maybe once in a decade opportunity here to get reform, to get change. If yeah. this doesn't get through or a version of one and two, I mean, you know, it's going to be put on the top of a shelf for a long, long time. And uh, we're going to be back to square one, which would be a disaster in my view. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of very intelligent people who know the ins and outs of, of the GA world from top to bottom have come together. And that's definitely not me. But they've come together into a room and they've arrived at, at a determination, at a set of recommendations that overall is definitely best for the association. And uh, it will be huge for club players. Like, I mean, it will be massive for club players. And it will bring this thing that we speak about all the time, certainty for everyone from the start of the year to the end of the year for every single competition. And the second thing is, it will be much, much more competitive. So I know that I do, I'm just a little bit concerned on option two that we're going to get stuck in the weeds in terms of who comes out and all that. You'll have had 112 games of teams in championship. Yeah. Oh, it'd be very, brilliant. A very, it'd be brilliant. very similar. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously you came up with this yourself back in the day. This, this arrived at the same conclusion. That it'd be just an incredibly competitive championship. Yeah, the whole way through from start to finish. Will there be an issue if if a three or four, possibly there might be two playoffs, they're not even quarterfinals, where they mightn't be as competitive? But out of 150-odd games, that's okay, yeah. I think. No, it is. It is. It, look, it's a massive, massive improvement. Um, and where does, were the third level, uh, were they represented at it, yeah. to Sigerson? Because yeah. I'm surprised they... Um, allowed the pre-season competitions in January to stay. And like the reasoning for that, I was talking about this on the show last week, it was there'd be unregulated challenge games. And my point of that is a manager will go away to a challenge game, get beaten by 12 points, experiment, Mm. and there's no national media and they're not under that pressure. So you go play your challenge game, you find out a couple of things about your players and there isn't that spotlight because whether you like it or not, Mike Quirk is a new manager. He gets off to a bad start. Uh, You know, any of the new managers, Jack Cooney, they won it last year and they thought this was fantastic. They do go back training earlier Mm not to be embarrassed or get off to a bad start for those competitions. Whereas if they were gone, yeah, there would be unregulated challenge games, but isn't that fine? It's on their own. They organise it themselves and unregulated challenge games are not necessarily a bad thing. It takes the complete pressure off everybody involved. Okay, there's two parts to that question. One is the pre-season and one is the, is the, is the Sigerson. The pre-season first... It, yeah, it impedes yeah, on the Sigerson, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, so, there's two, so, so just on the pre-season competitions, first of all, I mean, just as general straw poll, straw poll when, we, when we began to discuss this, for the most part, and everyone's a fixture maker again, this didn't seem to cause a big issue generally for fixture makers the pre-season. John Prenty, he's a Connacht secretary, and, and the point that he made was was very clear. He said, OK, it's grand for Dublin and Kildare and possibly Leash. The issue is actually the smaller counties can't get challenges. Nobody wants to play them. So you have unregulated challenges, certainly, but some of the Division 4 counties cannot get challenged in that period. So there is a little bit of a just making sure that everyone has a series of, 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 of games beforehand. It just doesn't really interfere with fixtures. They can they play c- each other, they can play Sigerson. Like you'll they, get, you'll, they, they can play, a Division 4 team would play a good club team that's in an All-Ireland yeah, final. You know, you'll get challenge games. It's, I but it's, it's not an issue, Colm, just in terms of the overall, there's bigger issues than that, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and I just I, think that that January is a very messy month and that's an easy fix to let Sigerson go. Play it, lads. Yeah. Play well, that any well, we, sorry, we, in, in the report, we were absolutely clear as well that everyone who's playing Sigerson or on a Sigerson panel, that their first call is with that... Uh, uh, See, unfortunately, we saw with Brian Howard, that's not the reality. Brian Howard chose not... To, he was on a scholarship mm. and he chose not to play, just not to, you know, maybe to show he's committed. Sure. And what better way to show your new manager that you're committed by saying, look, 
I'm not going. I'm not going to play, mm. and that he, that's player's own choice because he's having to choose. Whereas if you leave that January clear for the third level, let they, they can go because like there's none of them going to say, well, I, I'll give up a match for training. Do you know, or a manager? Well, you, do you get me? I yeah, just think, no, I, under, I understand. I just think it's such an easy fix. I did think as a committee, you would go. They're too messy. The 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 negatives way outweigh the positives. Let's just clear that month and let the All Ireland Club final go and the the Sigerson Cup go. And instead of having that mess, well, there's two things to it. The first is that th- th- those challenges and they do actually give an opportunity for fellas that have never played county. You'll see, and Mead played loud last weekend in the in the O'Byrne Cup, and a pile of fellas nobody have, has ever seen got a chance, I suppose, to play in Park Talton. Or and I'm not saying that's the right that thing. They a challenge match. Yeah, but they get a little bit of coverage and people understand where, where, where they're coming from. And maybe the Mechanic Cup in Ulster is a little bit bigger. I oh, Listen, I'm not certainly not wedded to them. I'm just telling you where the discussion the, yeah. the discussion was. I think I th- that's I th- the discussion, though. It's showing a, a lack of kind of understanding about from a, an inter-county player's perspective of what that month is like. Well, the GPA and were there, Colm, so they, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't express that view, to be honest with you. They didn't have those same issues uh, with... Because w- I was saying, actually, sorry to cut you off, mm. on the podcast here with John Heslin. Mm. I said, John, have you ever discovered a player that you didn't know in a pre-season competition? Because everyone says, oh, well, everyone gets their chance. But sure, it's not charity. Like, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. And like, I've never seen a leash player that I didn't already know mm impress in January competition. Do you know? And yeah. if you get one or two that might have, they were found out in the league. Every the point I'm making, everybody knows the good the players in the county. There's no magic wand in January, suddenly this competition arrives and lads start showing, geez, well I'm good enough. And on the ground that's not the reality. Well it hasn't been for me. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's it's not a huge issue one way or the other in my view. But if if in the morning the GA decide actually we're going to scrap those competitions, would there be big salty tears from the fixtures committee? I don't think so. But yeah. you know, that's it's just it, in the list of things that we had to deal with, it was way down. Yeah. See, I, I, I don't know. I think it's a little bit bigger. That the mess. I do think the mess in the year. The biggest mess is January to April. Mm. That then it starts clearing up a little bit. Um, the other one, which probably caused a lot of um, debate is the spring club game series or the multiple windows yeah. and I'm moving back towards multiple windows and I was completely against mm. them I didn't think they could mix and then I'm like what better way to take all this control from the county managers by making them give up their players then you're wondering is a player leaving a county setup to go back to a junior setup and it, I, don't, I don't know the spring series is probably a little bit cleaner but multiple windows work for Brian Cody and Mickey Hart and all these other managers when they're yeah. winning all Ireland's. And and the t- the two names that you mentioned are actually important, Brian Cody and Mickey Hart. We this was the, the issue that we spent most time on. And um we went through this in way more than the option one and two and all of that. This was the issue, I suppose, that we had to dig our very deepest as to what's best for the player, for the county. And, and, all, and the association generally. There is, I suppose, instinctively, we're all drawn to the multiple window model. And the issue then we faced was, okay, and the chair, Eddie O'Sullivan, was very, very good. He said, okay, you believe that? Come back to me. You've tested it. Go and test it. Put the Cork Senior Championship into it. Football and hurling and the Cork Senior uh, 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 Club Championship. Football and hurling. And come back to me. And we had to go back and come with multiple windows as to how that looked and how so that operated. When you say multiple windows, how many windows? Are we talking three over it's, the summer, it's in the one report, a month? It's in the report there. Um, I just can't remember exactly how many it was. Let me see. Sorry. So basically, that's it there. So window, 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 window. You can see them as they, as they come oh, through. Nearly there. like one a month. Basically one a month or thereabouts. And again, there's a lot of attractions to that. Brings a fellow back to the club. Um 
the club is connected and all of that. But when we came to it, um, what we concluded was that there's still going to be a huge issue there because you are pitting the interests of the county team against the club. And what could happen is that you have this issue around hamstring. Nobody, as you know, nobody, yeah, yeah. nobody is 100% yeah. fit. Somebody is 90% fit, 95% fit. If you're 95% fit and you've got Dublin, let's say, in, 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 if you're playing for Meath yeah. and you're back to my club, Dunboyne, and uh, two weeks later you've, you're playing in Crow Park against Dublin, you're 90% fit. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to work, work that, it out. That's unfair on the inter-county player. To and make and, and that is very unfair on them. And, and, and yet we still, we, we're, we're very much, tor- the group was very much torn about, about that. But ultimately came down the side that, you know, there's going to be much less issues with the other. For all of its weaknesses, there's going to be much less issues. But we've said very clearly, let's do this with the minor, uh, the under-17 competition and put it into to, to, to windows and really police it hard with these new people that are going to be through the provinces to go out and proactively police it. And let's see if we can come back and arrive. Uh, let's see what th- that looks like and can we arrive at something then that, 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 uh, that, that works at the, at the senior level. Yeah. So that's, what we've, that's, what we've, that's the recommendation we've made to, yeah. to, 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 to the public. Okay, so that, look, that's a very interesting one and I don't envy your, your job figuring that out because it is hard and there's w- huge advantages and disadvantages to both of them. We know the spring series yeah. is like a championship nothing pre-season another championship which isn't great and then like the multiple windows for inter-county players even the focus you know it's gone so professional now do we want to take that away from them or do we want them to you know have real professional you know standards and preparation and then like you said the you know players feigning injury like no matter what and players you know, and say they're, they're playing no, at inter-county yeah, is yeah, the pinnacle absolutely. and it does overshadow club and there's and nothing wrong with that yeah 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 and it's not necessarily come that they're feigning injury they're just not quite right yeah well, and that's and, and, and nobody, exaggerating and, one to yeah, not have to and nobody's ever quite right i mean when they're when they're playing because you're always going to have a bump and a knock you know a niggle or whatever it is and that's the issue that we have and sorry i i didn't continue the point that i was making it really works actually for single code counties. Okay, so multiple windows, Kilkenny, absolutely perfect because they don't have to worry about football. They go back to the club and it's fine. Tyrone, the same. There's very little hurling in uh, in Tyrone. Yeah, yeah. Where the struggle really starts to, to come is if you put Dublin or Cork or Galway or Wexford, or tip, where, where, yeah. where, 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 or Tip. Or Tip where, is a single county, nearly a county board level. Well, it may be, but, but <laughs> you know, all the players play football. So ah, yeah. would they go back and play football for their club? Well, that's another one. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know that they would. Yeah. And, and that's the issue. You'd, you'd find all of a sudden that all the guys... So for, I think the GA at this point has, 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 has arrived at a place where dual inter-county players, we can't accommodate. They're just too much, too difficult. But dual club players, well, yeah, we, we're, we're absolutely still going to make sure that they're able to do that. And that's really where the multiple windows uh, model starts to read. When we go to push that into a calendar and you're trying to put the core clubs... And then they're playing tip, and that's it's it's tricky. Yeah, and 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 that's where the that's where the problems. But what we're saying is that's where we want to go. But let's try and get there. But we can't make it work right now. Maybe other people yeah. are, are smarter than us. They can the, make it work. The professionalism maybe has gone a little bit too far to go back to that multiple windows. You know, it's maybe ten years ago that was the time to enforce yeah. that. You know, maybe we've gone too far down the road of professional standards at intercounty level to go back to a club to maybe that's a junior level club or even you're playing a hurling game you're going back to play with the big ball for a, 
a week and your eye has gone out. Mm-hmm. You're right. It does. It does cause a lot of problems. But I, I do like it. You, you mentioned the oversight unit there that's going to c- try and control over the, all this. Have they been decided yet? Or give us an idea of how they can. Is this up to a county board to report to them? What if a county board tries to hide the fact that they're, you know, being dictated to by the county manager? Yeah. How will this how will this oversight unit who's going to control to make sure county boards enforce all this? How will they police it, I suppose? Yeah. So the first thing is that county board officials are actually crying out for this themselves. Right. They want this. And there's a lot of people in the room who are, who, who, who are involved, obviously, in, in looking after the, the fixtures within, within each county, etc. And they want someone above them with teeth to, yeah. to shake a big stick. It's not Be- my fault. Exactly. Because yeah. it's very difficult for them to make difficult decisions um, on the ground because, you know, you can end up as a pariah if... if, if best player gets injured because you're forced to yeah. a round through or well, whatever. The county manager will say to a county board chairman, do you want to win or not? Yeah. You know, I'm trying to prepare and the answer is, well, yeah, of course. You know, there would be, it's easy for them to be overpowered, I'm sure, by a county manager who is, you yeah. know, on the face of it, knows more about this than, than they do, you know? So, well, you see, and there's always a race to the bottom with this stuff as well. So again, fantastic year last year, for example, for tip. You know, they, 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 they had a brilliant All-Ireland win and all of that. But the problem for every other county is they cleared out their April schedule of championship in the way that they didn't do the year before. So there is this race to the bottom for, for, for county boards. They had success. And there's a, there's, a, there's a horrible reality here is that if you do clear out your, your club schedule, you are actually much more likely to have success. Yeah. So, so what we're trying to do is remove this conflict of interest and, 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 and put people in place at provincial level so they're separate from the county board and they are going to oversee and they're going to come up with sanctions serious sanctions and I don't know what they're, what they're going to be there's some discussion about they, what, what they may or may not be things around you know National League fiction about money expenses and all of those things that, 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 that may be ultimately used to ensure really what you want to have is everyone doing the same thing and not one county manager stopping, yeah, yeah. To, you know. And, this and is be, long overdue, isn't it? It's and long it's, overdue. And you know what? County managers want that too, because I know that the county managers are are, are, are cast as, as demons, I yeah. suppose. Well, but one really, follows the rules, the other doesn't. Exactly. But you see, yeah. if, if the guy next door doesn't do it, you know that he has a huge advantage. And are you, in t- I mean, I came, I came at this as I was the minor manager in, in, within the county last year. And I know very, very well that if you have... Um, County, or if you've club fixtures right up to the to the to the teeth of a big game, it isn't good for you, and you don't like it. But if everyone is in the same boat, well, then yeah, you'll you'll accept, accept it. it. Yeah. So so it's just about bringing that consistency and equity and fairness across the board. But you got to give these guys teeth, and they were suggesting give them lots of teeth, separate them out from the county boards. County boards actually want this, and the county managers will also be satisfied if everyone is on the same page the whole way through the system. Same page, exactly. So I'm going for the flip the season around option. I'm going for the spring series in, okay, in the enough. club. That's what... That's what uh, well, you came up with in. a column, to be fair, so... <laughs> Listen, I don't like keep going on about this, but I don't get credit, so I have to give myself credit, right? So what happens now? Do you canvas for this, or is this a John Horan, uh, Tom Ryan kind of job to canvas this and go around? Or are you out of the process now? So what happens, the first part of it is there's a number of, of, of proposals that are going to go up before Congress in February and um, that will be around the administration and governance and, and, and various other things and the guys inside will decide 
what what actually comes up through uh, to give the the, the, the operation teeth because there's a lot of stuff that's independent of the actual st- yeah, yeah, structures. Yeah. After that, there's going to be the, the the structure stuff will wait, and the other stuff the structures. Will go the, so the, so the option one, two, three stuff. Um, one and two, sorry. Option one and two <laughs> will come up before special congress. A special congress yeah. probably in April May, and um, so all of the people who are on the committee. Um, I'm sure we'll be asked to 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 communicate and speak and, and uh, about yeah, to spread it out to spread out spread it out because yeah. we have to go around because whenever there's change like I mean again I've been involved in this in Meath we got absolutely blasted out of the park in our first year trying to bring reform in Meath and including Colm Colm O'Rourke wasn't happy at that time either in our year two when people got familiar with it um, and I'd say that well, I mean I was an integral to it I would say that there big communication issues that that probably my fault in year one in Meath. In year two, our communication was much better. So there is a huge communication piece. And even, I suppose, the the the, the um, bits and pieces that I've seen about the, the report, I mean, it's kind of lukewarm, really. It's not exactly glowing stuff, I would say. So there is a, there's an information exercise where we sit down like we're yeah. doing now and try and allow people to understand the thinking at least behind it yeah. and then they can draw their own conclusions as to, to what's right or what's wrong. When, when you're talking to the county board officials and the delegates that are going to vote on this, I would advise you to mention money and mention it a lot <laughs> and mention fi- mention the word filter, two words filter down. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and maybe I'm being overly cynical but look, sell it the way you sold it here today and I'm well, sure well, it'll I mean, that, I mean, that is another point, Colm, is that if we have and th- I mean, from a, from a, from a, a neutral and again, you know this because this is, this is something that you think yourself. From a neutral, the real beauty about this is going to be seeing Dublin play oh, yeah. Killarney. Summer will Mayo, be brilliant. Like the whole way through if option two comes through. And option one has loads of good things too. But in option two, you have that, that, that um, all of the best teams, all of the best players guaranteed to play each other every single year. And it's undoubtedly true and, he, and even then within Leash or Carlo or Meath or whoever else, wherever divisions they're in, they're going to have three big home games minimum a year that they, you know, unlike now, you don't know how many games you're going to have, maybe one, maybe two. Yeah. So there's a kind of a, a, a there, there is a promotional benefit to that for each county that, that, uh, that, 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 that that's, that's a part of us and, yeah. and. Well, possibly, it, it, and possibly revenue as well that 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 can filter through. Yeah, well, sure, it'll be filtered through of the way the league, the national league, is. You yes. keep the money from your own big home games, and even from the hurling point of view, Leash have two big home championship games set in stone next year. The hurlers have, yeah. which you can't just can't wait for it. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I mean, look, listen, I'm completely sold on on. Uh, on, on that proposal anyways and uh, maybe the spring club games but sure, look best of luck on your canvassing uh, tour filter down filter money down, filtering down okay. <laughs> I will use that term frequently Connor thanks very much for coming in Colin thanks indeed thank you alright listen that's always time for we'll be back on Monday we're going to have the Woolly Awards on Monday um, and we'll bring you a best of next week as well before Christmas talk to you then good luck the GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Hurling Acca. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. Talking 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.